From the complete insanity of the transgender movement to the modern-day brown shirts, a.k.a. Antifa, shutting down our constitutional rights, it's safe to say that we are far past clown world at this point. We thought that the ideology that men are women and trans women belong in female bathrooms were just silly mindsets held by the most progressive of college students. But now this mentality continues to seep into our media, schools, and most dangerously, women's spaces. And if you disagree with any of it, you're going to be shut down, you're going to be silenced, targeted, and hunted. Welcome to the United States of America in 2023, where the DOJ views law-abiding citizens as domestic terrorists, and real domestic terrorists are a protected class allowed to terrorize and shut down anyone who refuses to bend the knee to the woke mob. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Now, I tried to make this a twice-weekly show. However, due to the amount that I have been traveling, I think we are now going to be making it about once a week. So the show will be dedicated to giving you guys a recap of everything that has been happening on the streets of the United States, including my very own reporting. Now, I have been in Atlanta this past week and a half covering the Stop Cop City movement, the Black Lives Matter movement that has now started to slowly make its resurgence nationwide. I have reported in UC Davis on the Antifa event where violent domestic terrorists broke windows at the university because Charlie Kirk was speaking there. And I also went to UT Austin for International Women's Day to go ask the ladies if they feel comfortable with sharing their bathrooms with trans women, if they see any biological difference. So we're going to be getting into all of that today. Day, but more importantly, of, of course, the updated news cycle, all of the insanity that we are seeing. Now, before we get into that, please remember that this show is sponsored by you. And one of the best ways to do that is by going to my subscribe star down below the link. You can find it in the description for this episode. And um, subscribing gets you behind the scenes on where I'm going to be next, what I'm going to be covering, stuff that I don't post anywhere else, and you also get direct messaging with me. So if you would like to support the show, this is one way that you can do that. Also remember the show can be found on Apple Podcast. Uh, please go leave a five-star review if you do like it. It helps us grow in the charts. Now enough with that, let's jump straight into the complete insanity of the modern day. Starting off with the female students here in Texas, the University of Texas in Austin, who see no difference between transgender women, aka biological men, and regular women. I wanted to ask these students specifically, because it is Women's History Month, if they feel comfortable with these people in their spaces. And these were some of the responses that I got if you haven't watched my latest YouTube video. Some biological women have said that they felt uncomfortable with trans women being able to use their spaces, like locker rooms or bathrooms. So I've been asking, you know, like college women, what they think about that. Yeah, that's bullshit. Trans women are women, just like I'm a woman, just as much as I'm a woman, so are trans women. So they deserve every right that I have. I don't see it as a problem. And I think that if they're comfortable, they get the like women's bathroom like go to the women's bathroom because they are women yeah i definitely think trans women should be included in women's spaces i mean they're women obviously so they face a lot of the same issues that cis women do as well actually you don't let me shut you down right there 
Now, when I go and I do my street reporting, I like to allow the students of America, the citizens of America to voice their own opinions. But here on this show, we're the complete opposite. Now, I was speaking to this gentleman that was dressed in a skirt and wearing lipstick. He said that he identified as a man for most of his life, aka he was born a man and he identified as a man his whole life, I suppose, as his gender. And he said just recently he decided to change his gender and now he's gender fluid. And I asked him what his pronouns are. He said, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Now I was out there for two hours trying to find one sane student to at least acknowledge that there is a biological difference between trans women and regular women. I couldn't find one person. Now, just to highlight the biological difference here for some of us in the audience who may think that there is no difference, I wrote this article for the Post Millennial. University of Texas women say biological males should have rights to women's spaces. And I basically, in this article, talk about all of the instances in which biological women, I'm not going to even use the term biological women here or cis women because we're just women. Our gender is not a costume. It's not something that you can turn on and off. So everything that we're going to be getting into this episode, which will be centering quite a bit around people like Dylan Mulvaney and just the insanity of the modern day transgender ideology. When I say women, I'm referring to regular women, okay? Because there is just women. Now, to give you guys a couple of examples of what women have had to go through as a result of this progressive ideology of allowing biological men into our spaces, uh, Leah Thomas was back in the news because he exposed himself to his former teammates in the women's locker room. Remember that Leah Thomas was the transgender swimmer from uh, Penn State or UPenn, I believe, that beat out all of the ladies in the 2022 NCAA Women's Swimming Championship. Remember that we were the first ones, I was the first one to interview an athlete who spoke out against Leah Thomas and Twitter deleted the clip. That account is still deleted alongside that clip. So um, yeah, there was a lot of pushback against Leah Thomas, but of course censorship came in and rewrote that narrative. On top of that, we had a 17-year-old Rebecca Phillips. Now, I have played this clip for you guys previously on the shows, but let's not forget that this was a 17-year-old who saw a naked biological male at her local YMCA. She went to staff, and staff said that she was the problem. And then the local media swooped in and said, if this trans woman says she's a woman, she's a woman, period. That's it. That's the end of it. And it was the 17-year-old that was told that she was the bad guy in this situation. Let's also remember 80-year-old Julie Jamon, who was also permanently banned from a local YMCA. I believe she was in California. Both of these stories are out of California. And she alleged that a transgender employee was in the women's locker room, biological male, and was looking at young girls undressing. And she was upset about this. She told the transgender employee that he needed to leave. And the YMCA permanently banned her for discrimination and hatred. There was also a California trans woman who was facing multiple felony charges for sexual indecency. Oops, I just closed my entire screen, guys. Give me two seconds. Um, this transgender woman was... Wow. Hang on, guys. I freaking hate MacBooks sometimes. There we go. Back to the show. Another trans woman who was facing multiple felony charges for indecent exposure for sexual indecency um, was faced with the new charge after the We Spa incident in which this partially erect biological male was walking around the women's spa in California, exposing himself in front of a four-year-old child. So 
here you guys go. There's some examples as to the differences between trans women and regular women. But for some reason in the modern day, I can't even find one student who can concretely say that there is a difference, can concretely say, well, maybe we shouldn't have biological men in women's spaces. That's not a good thing. Now, since we've been gone as well, there was a pride flag in uh, Fort Lauderdale that was quote unquote defaced. They, I guess the city painted a pride flag in the streets and people drove over it with their vehicles and there were tire marks and it caused this huge uproar. Now, the reason that I'm bringing this up is because again, this is another example of where we're at in the modern day. The fact that this is even a news story, the fact that I'm even having to sit here and talk to you about these transgender issues and push back against them just goes to show who rules the United States of America at this point? It is the LGBTQ cult, and it is a cult, I promise you. I'm going to show you all of the evidence here in a moment. Where they have so much power that you can paint their flag on the street, and then they'll get upset when there are tire marks over it and say that it is a hate crime, that you are defacing their flag that needs to be respected, to which I want to ask the question, why do I need to respect gay people or transgender people? Have they earned my respect? No, all of they've done is take their ideology and shove it down everybody's throats. They're backed by corporate America. They're backed by our politicians. Their flag flies over our major institutions in Washington, D.C. for quote-unquote Pride Month, which is the entire month of June. Every month feels like Pride Month, if we're being quite honest, because, again, their ideology is shoved down our throats every single day. And now we have Drew Barrymore, who brought Dylan Mulvaney on her show, and in the name of progressivism and feminism and all of the uh, you know, progress we've made as a society kneels down in front of the biological man making a complete mockery out of women. Now, this clip went super viral because, of course, on the left wing, you had people saying that Drew was just showing compassion to Dylan Mulvaney. What they're speaking about in this clip, I'm not going to play it, but it's just B-roll for you guys. What they're talking about in the clip is how Drew Barrymore deals with the hate and how Dylan Mulvaney, quote unquote, trans woman deals with all of the difficulties and hatred that is directed toward him. They basically try to paint him as a victim. Now, this is a man who has pretended to be a woman for one year at this point, has gotten multiple deals with major corporations selling products to women, has made a mockery of femininity and how women act, has been platformed on a lot of major news networks, a lot of major shows, just like Drew Barrymore, and we are made to feel that this person is a victim in society, and we should be clapping our hands when he makes a mockery of the entire female gender? Absolutely not. I don't think so. Now, a lot of people, because I did retweet this clip and say, this is a joke. It's an embarrassment. And so many people were upset with me and said that I was hateful. No, it's not hateful for me to want to push back against this when there are women who are being put at risk. You guys can go Google right now men who pretended to be transgender who dressed up as women so they could go peek in between the stalls of women as they got changed. So they could go peek in on women as they were using the restroom. There was one man who dressed up as a transgender and went into a women's shelter and sexually assaulted women. There are men that are being put in female prisons and raping women, not with their female penises, with their biologically male penises. Now, I saw this uh, 
picture here and it says 70 years of feminism and you have on the left show her it's a man's world and you have the woman bowing down to her man on her knees and then on the right you have essentially the same exact picture except I would venture to say that it's even worse because now we have women apologizing to biological men for the quote-unquote oppression that they're facing the young male student that I interviewed in that first clip at UT Austin told me that he genuinely feels that trans women are more oppressed and face the same struggles, if not more struggles than biological women. Now, as a biological woman who does a lot of on the ground reporting with my male colleagues, it is very difficult to be a woman. There are certain points in the month I don't want to give you guys, you know, TMI here, but there are certain points in the month when I don't feel well, when I don't feel like performing like the men do because I am cramping, because I feel sick, because my hormones are going crazy. But guess what? I still have to go and work. Do you think that a transgender woman has to go through that? Do you think that a transgender woman will ever experience childbirth, will ever have to understand all of the issues that women go through, have a period? Absolutely not. So it is frustrating to me when I see biological men pretending that they're women and encroaching on our spaces, encroaching on our voices and shutting us down essentially and saying that the women who don't support this ridiculous movement deserve to be silenced. Where are we getting to as a society? And just to again, give you guys an idea of who Dylan Mulvaney is, uh, this clip, it's an older one from him, has been resurfacing about him trying to normalize the bulge for quote-unquote women. Normalize the bulge. We are normalizing the bulge. Women can have bulges and that's okay. We're not gonna stare at their crotches while they're wearing their little shopping shorts at the mall. Okay, that's enough of that. That's who Dylan Mulvaney is. He is not trying to uplift women. He is not trying to... He's not trying to advocate for women. He's trying to wear us like a costume and try to normalize that the bulge is something that women have. No, I'm, I'm sorry. That's not true. Did Michelle Obama put him up to that? That was a joke, guys. But um, no, women don't have bulges. Women don't have penises. Women get periods. Men do not. Women have vaginas. Men do not. And I keep hearing this phrase as well from a lot of these students that they feel like a woman. What does it feel like to be a woman? I'm a woman and I can't tell you what it feels like to be a woman because guess what? I was born as one. It's not a feeling. It's not something that you take on and off. And Dylan Mulvaney is actually starting to learn this the hard way as are quite a few transgender women here. Um, he wrote this article that was titled, or I guess this article was written about him. The title is, Why is no one in the DMs? Dylan Mulvaney discusses dating as a trans woman. And I read this article and Dylan genuinely does come off as such a narcissistic person. He goes, I shouldn't be single. I should have a relationship. I should have a boyfriend. But at the end of the day and at the core of it, biological men do not want to date Dylan Mulvaney. And why is that? Is it because trans women are women? Is it because trans women and regular women are exactly the same? No. It's because inherently men know that trans women are not women and they don't want to date them. So 
Sorry you're having to learn that the hard way, Dylan Mulvaney. I have never had that problem in my entire life where my DMs were empty of thirsty-ass men trying to date me. Not all of them are thirsty. Some of them are very nice individuals. But as a, a biological woman, I've never had this problem. Other biological female friends that I have have never had this problem. So maybe Dylan Mulvaney should stop trying to front as a woman and understand that he's not the same as us. And he needs to stop trying to be a quote-unquote advocate and pretend that he's a woman because he's absolutely not. Now, again, this has seeped into our social media, our corporations, and our children are starting to watch this. This has seeped into Hollywood, of course. We know that Hollywood is extremely woke. And we now have Jamie Lee Curtis, who recently got an Oscar, saying that her Oscar's pronouns are they them. And to be quite honest with you guys, you probably have seen this clip already. If you haven't, it's just the cringiest and fakest thing I've ever seen in my life, if I'm being honest with you. The entire transgender movement and all of its supporters are fake. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is just my opinion on this. And from what I've seen, they don't actually believe there's more than two genders. They don't actually believe that trans women are women. They don't actually believe that they thems exist and are a thing. But they keep pushing this ideology. And the reason why they're trying to force the majority to accept it is because they do need validation. They do need other people to say, oh, yeah, you're right in that. Because the majority of society knows that this is just straight up insanity. It's not based in science. It's not based in logic. There is no common sense behind this. And that's why they have to push it so fervently on all of us. Because they need it to be validated. Just like the fat acceptance movement where you have these obese advocates, obesity advocates saying that, oh, it's healthy. Oh, we shouldn't have to get weighed at the doctor because it's discriminatory, because it's not necessary. The reason they push these ideologies is because they're trying to normalize it and they want everybody to be an advocate for this. But where are we currently at in the modern day? We're essentially living through, you know, George Orwell's 1984, or if you want to look at more historically correct examples look at what it's like to live under an authoritarian regime what it was like to live in hitler's nazi germany what it was like to live under the kgb all right you if you are convicted of wrong think you are targeted you are harassed you are bullied and you are forced to think the quote-unquote correct way and that's what we're currently living through right now sorry to go on that tangent here's jamie lee curtis uh, pretending that she she needs to validate the they thems and again that's what she's doing is she's trying to validate this wrong fake ideology and mindset because she knows that the average person thinks it's crazy hey. oh look at this <laughs> here here they are have we named her what's her i'm 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 in support of my daughter ruby i'm i'm having them be a they them oh um, I'm I'm gonna just call them them they oh, them and oh. um, they are doing great oh. and uh, they're settling in. Okay, so what I want to point out with this clip is again that forcefulness of even Jamie Lee Curtis having to go through these mental loopholes to make sure that she's using the correct pronouns when she's talking about her Oscar, right? And. When I'm interviewing students on the street, they do the exact same thing. If you haven't, go watch my latest video. But I'm speaking to this one female student who says, oh, I'm queer, I'm this, I'm that. She's talking about transgenderism. And she goes, well, there's a difference between 
and I, I forgot what she said, but she basically stumbles over her own words because she meant to say gender, but she said sex. And she was struggling to even come up with and keep up with the ever-changing logic and vernacular surrounding this issue. It makes no sense. And that's why you even hear Jamie Lee Curtis in this clip going, they are doing so good. They're amazing. Because these people have to reinforce it in their own minds this fake grammar, this fake ideology, because it makes zero sense. So there's some of the infiltration on social media, directly on your child's phone. Please monitor what your kids are watching. They're in Hollywood, in our mainstream media networks, and of course, in our government as well. Now, this is a clip from uh, Minnesota Governor Peggy Flanagan talking about children changing their gender and how we should react to that. Let's listen. Because let's be clear, this is life-affirming and life-saving health care. When our children tell us who they are, it is our job as grown-ups to listen and to believe them. Okay, so to all of the parents that are watching here, if your child tells you that they're a dinosaur, it is up to you to listen and to believe them. If your child tells you that they're a chicken, it's up to you to listen to them and believe them. By the way, she opens up this clip by saying that these surgeries and this affirmation is life-saving. Actually, it's the complete opposite. Go ahead and look at the suicide rates of the transgender youth. And I was listening to a radio show the other day, and one of the interviewees was talking about transgenderism and saying that one of the fear-mongering talking points that a lot of these activists use is, oh, well, transgender kids will commit suicide if we don't allow them to transition when they're young, if we don't give them access to these life-changing chemicals that are castrating them that will affect their fertility and will permanently alter their bodies. She was basically saying, why didn't we see a huge uptick in suicide back in the day before we had these options for children. We didn't see that at all. So where is this new phenomenon and where are these new statistics of, oh, if we don't allow children to transition when they're four years old, they're going to commit suicide. Where is that coming from? It's not based in reality at all, but we still have our government saying things like this. You are erasing our trans babies. I don't know what a trans baby is, but again, it started off with a transgender adult and then it went to transgender teens and then transgender children. And now we have transgender babies. So there you guys go. That's modern day America. And not even the babies are safe. If Democrats don't kill them in the womb via abortion, they're going to try to trans them and destroy their lives when they're out in the world. I was actually reading a Twitter thread and I wish I pulled it up for you guys of a young woman who got a double mastectomy, got her breast chopped off, and the surgery was so botched that she had uh, hematomas. She basically had uh, like liters of blood filling up her chest. And the original doctor, which I believe was based out of Dallas, just ignored her and was like, oh yeah, that's fine. That's a part of the healing process. And she just thought that was normal and was like, okay, she ended up having to go to an emergency room here in Austin to get that surgery fixed. But if you look at the pictures, it's absolutely horrific what we are allowing our young girls to do to their body. I'm going to see if I can pull it up for you now. Um, 
it's it's very disturbing these photos and I don't even think I bookmarked them just because of how horrific they were but this young girl breasts completely sewn off like chopped off and then sewn shut just bruising and blood in her body and then the doctors who by the way I mean a lot of activists anti um you know transing the kids parents have been talking about how this is irreversible surgery and how these doctors are profiting off of your children or young adults they've been talking about how profitable trans the transgender uh, surgeries are right for their hospitals and I'm sure we're going to see more and more stories like this young girl's where they chop off her breasts and then they say, all right, you're good to go. We don't care about you actually healing. We don't care about you actually being a functional human being post-surgery. Somebody commented on her thread actually and said, this seems like the hospital is treating you like you're mentally ill. Talk about a mad scientist who, or not even a mad scientist, but just like a doctor who is doing surgery on a mentally ill person, mentally ill person, they're not going to follow up, I guess, like the person was just basically trying to say like, oh, well, they already view you as mentally ill. So they don't care about your care post surgery. So they're not going to give you the time of day. That's just a comment that I read. And I was just like, wow, that's kind of crazy. And it's sad. Are we going to start seeing an uptick of hospitals neglecting their patients because they don't really care about them? They're just in it for the money. And transgenderism is very hot right now. So this is, of course, infiltrating our government all the way up to the highest levels. Here's Joe Biden um, talking about potentially using federal legislation to force every single state to allow children to get gender mutilation surgery. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man, or I want to become a woman, or I want to change. I mean, what, what, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. So there you guys go. Now, he specifically called out Florida by name, and there's a reason for that. And I'm going to be getting into here in a moment all of the things that Florida is doing to stop children from having to undergo these life-altering surgeries. And you know what? Florida has really been at the forefront of getting this issue under control, of actually saying, hey, we're going to enact the law if you show, if you take a child to a drag show that is inappropriate and you expose a child to sexually explicit content, your alcohol license is going to be revoked. This is something that has already happened and continues to happen. Florida is very on top of this, but for some reason, states like Texas, uh, yeah, go ahead and chop your child's genitals off. It's fine. And then we can look to Massachusetts because... A lot of people ask, Sav, how does this affect you directly? Why do you care about this so much? Uh, because, again, I did go to the NCAA Women's Swimming Championships back in 2022. And I did listen to the female athletes cry because Leah Thomas, biological male, came in and swept them and basically destroyed their collegiate dreams. 
It was a horrific thing to watch because I have been in San Francisco at all gender restrooms because that was the only thing available. And I have felt unsafe as grown men were allowed to walk into the restroom with me. Not a fun environment. And because I continue to see stories just like this one from Riley Gaines, Massachusetts Girls High School Track and Field State Championship a few weeks ago. Can you guess which is the male? Chloe's message to the girls he beat who protested his inclusion. Deal with it. Just deal with it. And she posts a photo here showing the immense size difference between the female high school athletes and the transgender female athlete who is a male, as you can clearly see by this photo. We did the same exact thing with Leah Thomas. His reach you can look at this photo. It was the craziest photo. When all of the swimmers are diving into the pool, Leah Thomas's reach, because his arms are longer, because his shoulders are broader, because his legs are bigger, because he's biologically a damn male, so much farther than all of the other women. So he already had a, um, you know, a head start just because of that. And uh, here you go, another biological male playing in women's sports, beating out the women and saying, sorry, you're just going to have to deal with it. Let's keep going. The New York Times recently put this whopper of a story out at Wesley Wellesley, Wellesley, Wellesley College. Students vote to admit trans men. Students supported a non-binding referendum on Tuesday that calls for opening admission to all non-binary and transgender applicants. Opponents say the school's mission is to educate women. Now, apparently, this was a place for women who will make a difference in the world. And alumni include Hillary Clinton, Madeleine Albright, and Nora Ephron. And on Tuesday, students supported a referendum that polarized campus regarding, again, allowing those non-binary and transgender applicants, including trans men. So at this point, why doesn't the school just allow all genders? Well, why not? They're already allowing biological men. They're already allowing women who think that they're men. And then they're already allowing regular women. So why not just make it a regular college? The referendum also called for making the college's communications more gender inclusive. For example, using the word students or alumni instead of women. And there you guys go. The erasure of women continues. And this is why I push back against people like Dylan Mulvaney, who is actively a part of the erasure of women, the erasure of our voices, the erasure of our struggles. Women do go through many struggles that are unique to us. And for men to try to come in and take claim to that disgusts me. And we're seeing it every single day. During International Women's Day, the White House honored a trans woman by giving her the, I believe it was the, um, let me see if I can find it here. It was the Women of Courage Award. The Women of Courage Award was given to a man on International Women's Day. So there you guys go. Uh, men, I guess, are now better at, at everything. Better at women than everything, even being women. 2023 is wild, y'all. And again, just as we read in that New York Times article, why are they trying to change the terminology? Why are they trying to get people to start speaking a completely different way? Because not only is this completely insane, not only do the majority of people not actually agree with this, but we are looking at the active and lifetime erasure of gender, of common sense, and anybody who speaks out against this is immediately labeled public enemy number one. Now, Jeffrey Marsh, Marsh is another transgender 
activist. He's a biological man, looks very much like a man who wears makeup and goes on TikTok and tells children, if you want me to coach you about being transgender, you can subscribe and you can pay me $4 and I can help you. And I'll, and he like teaches these little kids how to cut themselves off from their parents. Now, a biological mother saw issue with this and she called it out on TikTok. But because she came after the transgender community, who, by the way, is supposed to be progressive and loving and tolerant. And remember, guys, they just want to exist. They just want to be able to exist and live and survive. But it's us bigots that are making their lives so dangerous and difficult. So this mother calls out Jeffrey Marsh for his predatory practices. And this is what ended up happening to her. So I just got an email saying... um pretty much a threat saying I know they know where I live and what scares me the most is um, they have got my daughter's details on the email like what time I leave to drop them to school pick them up and it's not a coincidence because both of my daughters they go to two different schools so they know so that's what happens when you try to speak out against the transgender community. That's what happens when you use your constitutional rights. I'm not sure if this woman lives in America or if she's abroad or whatnot, but the same mentality and the same threats apply here in the United States. Now, I was reporting on Antifa this past Tuesday at UC Davis in California, and they were protesting Charlie Kirk because he said that they called, that he called to lynch trans people that he called for violence against trans people, which, as per usual, was not true. Now, this mother and her children being targeted by the trans community, one part of the issue. Another part of the issue is that, again, we have a constitutional right in the United States of America, right? To have our freedom of speech, our freedom of thought, our freedom of press, our individuality, right? That That's one of the reasons why America is so great, because we do have the ability to be individuals. We have the freedom to decide what we want to see, what we want to think, what we want to feel, which religion we want to practice. But the transgender movement and the domestic terrorism that has been allowed to prosper in this country via Antifa and Black Lives Matter has gotten completely out of hand. Now, I'm going to go ahead and just play a couple of clips for you guys here of what it was like reporting on this protest at UC Davis. Here's our first clip where Antifa went. They blocked the entire bike path for students. Keep in mind, this is two hours before Charlie Kirk is supposed to speak. A huge mob of Antifa activists comes, blocks the bike lane, and this man gets upset and pushes them and says, hey, get out of here. And they immediately pepper spray him. Do you think that the police stepped in? Do you think that the police did anything? Absolutely not. And because the police stood down and said, oh, well, Antifa was allowed to do what they want. This is what ended up happening. Now, you had a large group of attendees who were standing outside waiting to get into the event to listen to Charlie Kirk, and you had a huge mob of Antifa domestic terrorists descending upon them. By the way, the police are behind me in this clip watching all of this unfold. 
They descended on this crowd of people. They started mobbing them. They started threatening with them with violence. They started calling them fascists and Nazis because they had the audacity to go and listen to somebody who has a different political view from Antifa, which is Marxism, communism, and straight up fascism at this point. This is fascism, right? It's shutting down your opponent. It's silencing opposing voices. So Antifa, they love to say that they're anti-fascist when they are the most fascist people in this damn country. And they are allowed to run rampant. Now, here is a clip that I took of them smashing out the windows at UC Davis. Because no, this was not a mostly peaceful protest of people trying to push back and fight back against Nazis and fascists. These are the fascists here who actually threatened me because I had the audacity to go do point and shoot journalism. Now, a little bit of a story time for you guys here. I was on the ground doing this reporting. And when I am out on the street, my journalism is very neutral. It's point and shoot. I show what's going on. I put my, my caption of where I'm at and what I see going on on the ground. And that's it. I let the footage speak for itself. For having the audacity to do that, Antifa was hunting me down because they figured out who I was. I was with a friend in the crowd and they ended up swarming him because lucky for me, I ran out of cell service. So I walked away from the mob so I could post the footage of them violently breaking windows and public property. By the way, the cops retreated to the inside of the building and just allowed them to break the windows. They didn't do anything. So they go and do that. I get found out because they recognize me from my glasses. I had my entire face covered because I wasn't in the area. They went up to my friend and they demanded that he tell them where I was. They demanded that they show him, them, his phone. They demanded that unless he told them where I was, that they were going to beat him up. They started swarming around him. They threatened him with violence. And he ended up having to run away and take off. He called me and said, you need to get out of here right now. And you, you know what happened? I went up to the police officers and I said, hey. I'm a reporter, I'm a journalist, I actually work with this organization, I've just been out here reporting on this group, they're actually hunting me down right now, can you please help me? To which the police turned me away and said, sorry, you can leave campus. They told me to leave campus as hundreds of domestic terrorists were looking for me and marching around said campus. So there's your police in America in 2023. And that's why I tell conservatives to stop blindly backing the blue, to be quite honest with you. Because... I don't want to sound anti-police because I've met a lot of good police officers and I do think that police are essential. And I also understand that the police have their hands tied post-2020 and post-George Floyd. They feel that if they enact the law or they enforce the law, that they are going to be the ones that are arrested, that are persecuted, that are going to face the consequence, right? The average American citizen feels the same way. Why should I use my Second Amendment right to defend myself when I'm the one that's going to go to jail, when I'm the one that's going to have to plead my innocence for defending myself against domestic terrorists? I understand where the police are at. But if you're a police officer, I hope you at least have the decency to help Americans when they ask you for it. Keep in mind that we do use our taxpayer dollars to pay for police officers and their salaries. And the reason why I'm upset about this is because this is not the first time this has happened where I've gotten beat up. I've gotten mobbed. I'm a small 120 pound Asian woman. And I've gone up to the cops after these multiple things have happened. I think this is the fourth time I have gotten assaulted or have felt unsafe and went up to police and said, please help me. And they've turned me away. So that's where we're at in 2023. 
And my question as well to the DOJ is why do you have all of the time, energy, and resources to go investigate the peaceful January 6thers who were clearly given a tour guide of the Capitol on January 6th? Why is it that you're able to go and find them in the middle of nowhere, Midwest America, but domestic terrorists who are openly terrorizing Americans, beating them up, throwing rocks at them, because by the way, the Antifa members were throwing rocks that were hitting UC Davis students who just happened to be walking by. Even the students who were just curious and pointing their cameras, they were trying to shut them down as well. They were breaking windows, they were being extremely violent, and they were hunting down people like myself. Why is it that as a journalist in the United States of America, I can't even exercise my constitutional right for freedom of the press or freedom of speech? My constitutional right to stand in a public space without fearing for my life and being threatened. Where are the police? Where is the DOJ? It's an absolute joke. <sighs> Apologies for being so aggressive there. I'm going to calm down now. I do get upset, though, because there are innocent Americans that are rotting away in jail right now. The January 6th defendants. Because they are being targeted and have been targeted by our government. The real domestic terrorists are Antifa, but you have people like Whoopi Goldberg on The View coming up with this whopper of a take. How come this is not thought of as being recruiting? How come they're not thinking about like this radicalizing as radicalizing? radicalizing? Why, isn't, why, why is this not being scrutinized the way that they scrutinize other yeah. well, uh, things? It, because to me, this, is, this should be against the law. You should not be able yeah. to, lay, to lie to the American knowingly. Okay, Whoopi. So um, it's Tucker Carlson recruiting domestic terrorists and radicalizing them by showing the truth of what happened on January 6th. And he shouldn't be allowed to, quote unquote, knowingly lie to the American public. That should be against the law. You're going to use that same energy? You're going to bring that same energy to uh, all of the pundits who called Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist? You're going to bring that same energy to all of the pundits who said that Black Lives Matter was peaceful in 2020, that Donald Trump colluded with Russia, that the vaccine was safe and effective. I can sit here and go on and on and on of all of the things that journalists have knowingly lied to us about on major news networks. You think she's going to keep the same energy then? You think she's going to keep the same energy when, by the way, I'm pretty sure The View did lie about TPUSA and say that they were a Nazi or fascist group, and they had to apologize and retract it. They didn't keep the same energy then. Really interesting how that works. Now, guys, I do have to tell you the truth. I did find a very damning piece of evidence from January 6th. Um, maybe this is what Whoopi was talking about when she did talk about domestic terrorism and violence from that day. Because I am an honest journalist, I'm always going to show you all sides and all angles. So maybe... This new clip that has resurfaced is what Whoopi Goldberg is talking about. Here is a look at January 6th. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the U.S. Capitol building. If you've joined us today for the insurrection, please make sure you pick up a promotional leaflet on the way in. Stay inside the safety cordons at all times. And if you get lost, speak to one of our Capitol Police officers. They'll be sure to point you in the right direction. And 
and be sure to set aside a little time today to join us for some insurrection activities, including our photography tour, our fancy dress competition, and have a go on our climbing wall. But don't forget those safety ropes. Okay, there you guys go. That was January 6th, okay? I saw that clip and I thought it was absolutely hilarious because that was January 6th. I was there. I got tear gassed by the Capitol Police officers and I watched them flashbang the crowd that was standing there being peaceful. I was there. You know how all the politicians like AOC were coming out and they were like, oh, it's just, it's just like it's so horrific. Do you remember when the New York Times reporters and the political pundits were like, oh my gosh, like I had to live through that. And I was in the rotunda when I heard them breaking in and I had PTSD from it. Yeah, I was actually getting tear gassed in the masses and I actually did see some of the violence because there were some moments that were a bit violent. I won't lie to you guys about that. And I put up all that footage. You can find it on my Instagram. There were some uh, clashes with police. But again, as somebody who was there, who was in the midst of the tear gas, who did see a little bit of the violence and who watched as a couple hours later, the election was still certified in the exact same building where an alleged insurrection that was so violent and worse than 9-11 in Pearl Harbor took place. I somehow didn't get PTSD. I somehow lived to tell the tale. I somehow, unlike AOC, didn't go run and hide and fear for my life in a bathroom. It's just such a joke. And I wish that I could bring the country together with talking and communication and let's just all come together and understand that we're Americans. But the left wing wants us dead. They've taken power over the government and they've targeted peaceful protesters, real peaceful protesters like Jacob Chansley, who's in jail right now, by the way, many clips of him, one specifically resurfaced where he's at the Capitol building saying, Hey, Donald Trump just told us all that we need to be peaceful. Everybody needs to be peaceful. Where was that clip for the January 6th committee? Why wasn't that played? Why was our man sentenced to four years in jail? I actually have somebody that I know personally, another journalist who was there, sentenced to four years in jail for walking around the Capitol and taking footage. Understand that progressive America and left-wing America views you as the enemy and wants you dead. I would know because I've been targeted, harassed, and beat up by these people. Because I was hunted down the other night by these people. Because our FBI and our DOJ don't give a damn about citizens like me or you, or cares about our constitutional rights for that matter. They want us dead. And if you don't believe me, here's Jane Fonda, a left-wing pro-choice activist, Calling for us to be murdered because we're pro-life. Besides, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous... <laughs> what did you say? Murder. <laughs> She's kidding. Wait a second. She's just now, kidding. Don't say that. That's oh, not... you don't know. They'll pick up on that and yeah, just run with it. Yeah, that's the worst. She's just kidding. It's... Well, let me talk to you about... <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, so there's Jane Fonda not kidding about murdering her political opposition, about murdering pro-lifers like myself who have the audacity to fight for the most innocent and at risk among us, the babies in the womb. 
pro-lifers who just want to educate women about the realities of abortion. About how they're not just killing a clump of cells or just scooping it out of their body, but they're actually killing a baby. That is the left wing and that's what they think about you. They want you dead. And I want to hound that point home because I'm not being dramatic when I say these things. I've lived it. I've experienced it. I hear it every day. I see it on online, on social media, on the news, on Netflix for crying out loud. There's not one pro-Christian show on Netflix. I was actually talking to one of my friends about this because, all right, I have a confession. I love reality TV. I know, embarrassing. But I was watching this show and it was called My Unorthodox Life. And it's about this Jewish family. And one of the daughters is a lesbian. And the entire show is basically about making the Jewish religion look horrific and bad and like they hate women. And then trying to prop up this Jewish woman who escaped the horrific life that she lived and her gay daughter, who is now just extremely promiscuous, dating around. It's, it's horrific, right? They're trying to prop up that their new lifestyle outside of the Jewish community is so much better and that the LGBTQ life is so much more amazing and that the Jewish religion and having a more religious and modest life was just this horrific thing. And this is something that we're consistently seeing across movies, across platforms, just the attack on religion, whether it's uh, Judaism, Christianity, a complete attack on it. And if you're a pro-lifer, we now have Jane Fonda calling for you to be killed. Incredible. Now, to keep with our theme of how radicalized the left wing has gotten, there was a federal judge who was supposed to speak at Stanford, and he didn't want to use the pronouns for transgender people because he didn't believe in that. Uh, I believe he's also just more of a conservative, and the Federalist Society wanted to have him speak at Stanford, which is a law school, by the way. And they lined the hulls to protest the school's dean because she ended up apologizing to the judge, Kyle Duncan, because when he was set to speak, he was shouted down by a room full of rabid progressives. And then the leader of diversity, equity, and inclusion for Stanford, instead of telling the students, hey, we believe in the First Amendment here at Stanford, which is a law school, which is producing our next lawyers and judges, no, she instead said to the judge that he was the problem and that he could leave because he was upsetting the students. And then the dean came forward and apologized, and then the students protested the dean. I think Mike Cernovich said it best. Within three years, these Stanford psychos will be working as law clerks, rigging cases against conservatives, and also working as federal prosecutors. These are zealots with no morals, no ethics, and all hate in their heart. Pure evil. So there you guys go. That's what the future justice system is and already does look like, by the way, which is why we have political prisoners currently running away in modern day America. It's so funny to me when people say, oh, China's so bad. Oh, Russia's so bad. We're not as bad as those countries for sure. But look at what's happening in the United States. Your constitutional rights are being impeded upon every single day. Joe Biden just called for another ban on assault weapons. We'll get to that here in a moment. We can't even utilize our First Amendment right to be a free press. Our president doesn't even take questions from press that are not approved. He was installed. There was another video that came out showing the crowd at Joe Biden's inauguration day. It was empty because they erected giant walls to protect the Capitol building because they knew that the American public did not elect Joe Biden nor want him in office. That's just my opinion. 
But this is the ideology and this is the diversity, equity, and inclusion that has seeped into our society as a cancer. Those are our future judges. Those are our future law clerks. Those are our future lawyers. And these are our future journalists and reporters, by the way. This comes from NPR. Michelle Yeoh wins the Oscar for Best Actress, making history as the first person who identifies as Asian to win the award. Now, if you're a podcast listener, what you see on screen is an Asian woman. She's about as Asian as they come. If you took a picture of her and you showed it to anybody around the world and asked them what ethnicity is this woman, they would say Asian. But NPR, because they are so woke, had to use the correct terminology, identifies as Asian. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. And it keeps going. From the Los Angeles Times, white drivers are polluting the air breathed by LA's people of color. And if we look at who wrote this article, it's a masked up I won't, this guy doesn't even look black, okay? I'm going to be honest here. He's got some curly hair, but that's about as black as it comes, I guess, with his appearance is the curly hair. Is that racist to say? Sorry, guys. I'm just, you know, that's what happens. Black people have curly hair. Sorry if I'm a racist for saying that. Asian people have uh, straight hair, as you guys can clearly see. This guy doesn't even look, he doesn't look black. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go fully entertain here, just like when he was talking about Meghan Markle's baby, her white baby. This guy does not look black. And here he is writing an article about how white drivers are polluting the air breathed by LA's people of color. Now, if you guys don't have Twitter, I didn't post this clip on my YouTube. But again, do not allow your children to be indoctrinated by the education system because this is what ends up happening. They end up thinking that they're bad because they're white. They end up thinking that they're oppressed because they're a minority, that the entire system um, in the United States of America is working against them. And again, I'm a testament to how that's not true, to how if you work hard in this country, any opportunity is available to you. But unfortunately, we have an entire subset of the younger generation that has been indoctrinated to, indoctrinated to think that they are bad. Listen to my conversation with a young college student at UT Austin the other day who happened to be white. I, I grew up as a white man and you're the exact opposite, you know? And so it's like my experiences are gonna be different from yours. How come? I think, uh, you know, there's a thing of like white privilege uh, what privileges do you have that I don't have? Oh, see, that's the question I keep asking myself because, like, in this day and age, like, all the laws, I say all the laws, you know, I'm, it's hard to speak on something I'm not fully knowledgeable of, so, like, I'm sorry if I, like, make a mistake uh, in saying this, but it's, like, like, uh, hmm. Don't you think it's a problem in society when white people think that they have more privileges than brown or black people? Yeah, and I think that's sort of the agenda that's pushed off because, personally, it's, like, not that I think I'm more privileged than anyone else because I had to work to get where I was. And that's like the- So why do you have that mentality immediately where you you know kind of apologize to me? Like, let's talk about privilege. Let's talk about, I'm a white man in America, so we could have grown up differently. Gotcha. Why, why is that your first initial reaction to me as a brown woman? Wow, you're getting me good. See, these are the kind of conversations that I love having. Um, and I think it comes from a place of like, uh, I wouldn't say caution. But like in this day and age, people are so quick to judge and react and cancel. And so I guess it's that, that like caution to go into an interview like this. I'm like, I, I don't know where we're at, but now I know where we're at and I can like uh, go for real. So there you guys go. The average white student is afraid to talk about how they actually feel and utilize their First Amendment rights because they don't want to be canceled, because they don't want to have their lives ruined by the diversity, equity and inclusion mob.
It's absolutely disgusting to me. And again, another example of our progressive society and just how dumbed down everybody has become. Here's Greta Thunberg, who we continuously put on a pedestal. And for some reason, the majority of the American youth think that the climate and the globe are going to end in six years. I have another clip coming out from UC Davis, my friends. Wait for that one. It's dropping next week. This college student literally told me we have six years left to live. And it's because our society platforms people like Greta Thunberg, who is a climate alarmist, who has no idea about the climate, how fossil fuels actually work, how the world actually works, how carbon actually works. She recently deleted this tweet from five years ago. Okay, what does the tweet say? It says a top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years. You know, maybe we did all die and go to hell. That seems very plausible. So maybe climate change did take over. And uh, I am currently streaming this from my air-conditioned hell apartment. No, I'm just kidding. I'm a believer in Christ. I would never go to hell. I hope and pray. I guess that means we're all still alive and uh, the world didn't end five years ago. Or now, I guess? Yeah, we're at the five-year mark now. We're still alive. How did that happen? Can somebody explain that to me? Can Greta Thunberg explain how we're all still alive when a top climate scientist told us that we were supposed to be dead? Crazy. It's crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know. Here's your average day society. Keeps getting better, though, my friends. We're just going to keep jumping around here as I give you examples of just how much we're decaying. Uh, John Fetterman, do you remember that guy? Yeah, he's allegedly a senator in Pennsylvania, but he's been MIA for the past month because he checked himself into a mental hospital for depression. Uh, apparently, he could be uh, hospitalized for two more weeks because the doctors are trying to get his meds exactly right. Sounds like Joe Biden uh, right before his State of the Union speech. Now, I said we were going to get to this, so uh, we're going to go over Florida really quickly here because uh, Greg Abbott, take note because you're not a real leader. Hopefully, Texas actually elects a strong Republican governor one day. Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, told venues that if you host drag queen story time for kids or if kids are in attendance at a drag show, your liquor license will be revoked. This happened a couple months back. I actually wrote an article about it, and it happened once again to a luxury Miami hotel. They held the sexually explicit Christmas drag show. And guess what happened? There were children in attendance and Governor Ron DeSantis said, okay, well, your liquor license is revoked. You think that they're going to host a drag show where kids are allowed to attend? And again, too, because the left wing loves to say that trans people are being attacked, that they're being discriminated against, that it's drag shows that are, that, that, you know, the right are coming after because they just hate the LGBTQ community. No. Nobody cares about drag shows. Drag shows have been a thing for decades and nobody has come after them or targeted them. But then people started bringing kids in attendance. Then it became a problem. We're trying to protect children here and that's the difference. So stop playing dumb. Let's keep going. Now, DeSantis has also been targeted and told that he is essentially Hitler at this point because he is banning books in the state of Florida. And Bonchi on Twitter says, holy crap, DeSantis is showing some of the stuff removed from school libraries and news organizations who were uh, taking the live feed of DeSantis's press conference ended up having to cut their feeds because it was so sexually graphic. Now, Nikki Freed, who is a chairwoman for the Florida Democrats, posted this image with the caption, 
because this was from Ron DeSantis's press conference and stream. Ron posting butt plug porn to own the libs. Now, what Ron DeSantis was showing were the sexually explicit books that are being banned for children. And again, too, I just have to chef's kiss to the new Twitter. Readers added context. This illustration is from a video played by Governor Ron DeSantis at a press conference highlighting some of the pornographic books now listed for removal found in Florida's public school. But of course, Nikki Freed still doubles down and goes, of course, this book doesn't belong in schools because she got roasted to filth. Like, homegirl got roasted so hard she's not coming back from this this is a part of her legacy for the rest of her life just take your ellen gold i would retire if i were you nikki you clearly have um the iq of a potato honestly that was probably an insult to potatoes take your negative four brain cells and go so she goes on to say of course this book doesn't belong in schools that's not what i meant time to pull the plug on but he says which she goes which republican education commissioner or governor allowed it to be in there time to pull the plug on your plan to remove history books and stop tickling your base as far as i know there are no history books that are being pulled out of florida public schools it again is only sexually explicit pornographic books that are being given to children that should not be there but the left wing gonna left wing and rewrite the narrative Let's also take a peek at what's been going on in Florida. Today, Florida Senate Health Policy Committee advanced SB 254, this was three days ago, which could cause parents to lose custody if they cause serious harm to their children via sex reassignment prescriptions or procedures. Now, there was a long line of trans activists who were speaking against this bill. And just to give you guys an idea of how mentally sane these people are, here is one of the speakers injecting himself herself itself with a needle to prove how safe transgenderism is hi i was once a trans youth and now i'm a happy 22 year old trans adult student at new college of florida this is my health care ma'am okay don't tread on it injects himself with the needle i can clearly tell that that's a man and you know what my favorite too apart uh, about transgender women is that i can immediately tell that they are a man. There are very few cases in which I have not been able to tell. But almost every single time, I can tell from the jawline, from the shoulders, from the demeanor, that's not a woman. As Austin Powers would say, that's a man, man. That was a man. Trying to push back against this new Florida bill by injecting himself in the arm with chemicals that will make him infertile and never be able to have children one day. And honestly, I'm for this bill in Florida. I'm glad that they're protecting children over there. Parents should not be allowed to mutilate their children. Imagine, if you will, a parent has a son and that parent wanted a daughter. So that parent forces their son to undergo life-changing surgery to become a daughter. You think that there's people out there that aren't that crazy? I promise you there are. It's the reason why a lot of transgender and non-binary parents always end up having a transgender child somehow. Was this phenomenon this rampant back in the 90s, back in the 80s? Were there this many transgender children about? I don't think so. But the left always has to fear monger. And you know what? This 
letter has been going around Twitter as well. This comes from Ryan, who in his Twitter bio is a queer supremacist, apparently. And uh, basically his dad, he, he sends this text message to his dad and was like, I can't associate with you if you are going to vote for the government parties that seek to murder me. Because apparently murder of the gays is now legal. And that's exactly what the GOP is trying to do. His dad responds, this is your dad. Stop your vicious words. This is not about homosexuality. I have friends who are gay and a brother who I supported and love. You're being ridiculous. And then he sends this email to his entire family, basically saying that if you don't support me and if you don't, if you vote for the GOP, if again, here it is, these people, the LGBTQ community forcing their will upon everybody, he basically tells his family, if you don't vote for who I want, I'm cutting you off from my life and I'm never speaking to you again. It's ridiculous. And then he also goes on in the letter to talk about how he and his partner have an escape plan. They already picked out a Canadian city they're going to flee to. They've already talked to their employers and they come up with different jobs just in case. And it's like, you know what? If you are really living in fear like that in the United States of America because of your sexuality, you're it's a joke. You're not living in reality. Go to China. Go to North Korea. Go to anywhere in the Middle East and go try to be gay. See what happens to you. Then you'll really be living in fear. The, the LGBTQ community is such a protected class that their painted flag that was painted on a city street is now being investigated as a hate crime because there were tire marks on the street. Are you kidding me? That's a joke. Now, enough with that nonsense. Let's also talk about the banking collapse that is currently happening as a result of our diversity, equity, and inclusion president that's currently in office with dementia, Joe Biden, from the New York Post. Biden forced to bail out a banking system and his donors that he endangered. This is a great article. Now, I'm not an economist, so I've kind of been keeping up with the banking issue. I'm going to read you this article because if you guys are kind of still unfamiliar with what's going on, this article very succinctly and puts in layman's terms what's been happening. President Biden loves to take credit where it isn't due. His latest, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the last few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. And this is in... Uh, direct response to SVB, which is a bank that completely collapsed. They have no more money because there was a bank run, which means everyone realized that this bank didn't actually have any money. So they started pulling all of their funds out and there wasn't enough money for everybody who had funds and investments in this bank to pull their money out. So the entire bank collapsed. So basically, um, yeah, so his administration made a move Sunday to make whole the deposit depositors of Silicon Valley Bank far above FDIC insured amounts to head off possible systemic failures. First, it's been less than two days, so it's too soon to see if the danger of this collapse is actually over. And then worse, this Joe to the rescue shtick is completely disingenuous. Biden's dismal economic leadership got us here. He dumped trillions into the economy already running hot in 2021 when inflation... Oops, I lost my spot here. Hang on. There you go. When inflation headed for the stratosphere, the White House first dismissed it as transitory. Let's not forget that. Then insanely tried to pin the biggest blame on Russian President Vladimir Putin and greedy corporations for the price hikes punishing everyday Americans. The resultant rate hikes, as the Federal Reserve moved belatedly and aggressively to tame inflation, cratered the value of SVB's safe long maturity investments. When withdrawals forced premature liquidations, the overextended bank, yes, SVB management shares the blame too, was finished. 
By the way, Biden's Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, has been busy trying to negotiate a global deal for higher taxes worldwide, while other financial regulators have focused on pushing social justice priorities, including his energy price hiking climate change agenda in the corporate world. One side of just how skewed priorities have grown, Team Biden is encouraging retirement plan managers to use woke metrics for investments rather than seeking the best returns. And SVB, the bank that collapsed, listened. The bank committed some $5 billion to back sustainable finance and carbon neutral operations in 2022. One of its risk management honchos spent her time launching Pride Month celebrations as her employer rushed toward the cliff edge. That and the fact that many of its depositors are tech firms that overwhelmingly give to Democrats accounts for how swiftly Biden moved to aid them. Those are the small businesses, quote unquote, he vows to protect. By the way, um, some of the uh, investors are people like Gavin Newsom. Cheering Silicon Valley Bank bailout, Gavin Newsom doesn't mention that he's a client. The end of that New York Post article goes on to say that um, President Biden is most likely going to be bailing out SVB. And it is, of course, the American taxpayers who are going to be paying for that because congratulations if you're just learning this for the first time. But the government doesn't make money. We, the American people, do. And then they steal it from us. And then they use it to bail out their buddies when um, their banks collapse. CNN, by the way, had the audacity to say that the SVB collapse was driven by the first Twitter-fueled bank run. And in this article, they basically go on to say that the massive amount of customer withdrawals that led to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank had all the hallmarks of an old-fashioned bank run, but with a new twist befitting the primary industry the bank served. Much of it folded online. Customers withdrew $42 billion in a single day last week from Silicon Valley Bank, leaving the bank with $1 billion in negative cash balance, the company said in a regulatory filing. The staggering withdrawals unfolded at a speed enabled by digital banking and were likely fueled in part by viral panic spreading on social media platforms and reportedly in private chat groups. In the day leading up to the bank's collapse, multiple prominent venture capitalists took to Twitter in particular and used their lar large platforms to raise alarm about the situation, sometimes typing in all caps. Some investors urged startups to rethink where they kept their cash. Founders and CEOs then shared tweets about the concerning situation at the bank and private Slack channels. Uh, so basically, again, CNN going on to say that it's Twitter's fault that there was a run on the bank because the other investors who had Twitter accounts had the audacity to warn people in SVB that were invested in SVB to pull out their money. And Biden came out and talked about how the banking system is, in fact, safe. Don't worry. Nobody needs to fear, which we all know that if Joe Biden is telling us something, we should probably believe the exact opposite of it. But just to really hound home how seriously the Biden administration was taking this matter, here is Jen Psaki talking about how hard of a worker Joe Biden is. Uh, and that's what people need to hear from him. Now, it's important to note, President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. He is a night owl. So the fact that he is doing this at 9 a.m. anyway speaks to how uh, vital the White House recognizes it is for him to have his voice out there conveying that to the American public. All right, Steve. All right, so Jen Psaki just admitted how inept, incompetent, low energy the Biden administration is. Yeah, Joe Biden doesn't do anything at 9 a.m. So, like, the fact that he's doing a press conference about our entire economic and banking system collapsing just goes to show how much he cares.
It's not like he's the president of the United States. It's not like the former president went on like four hours of sleep, went and did rallies every single night until midnight, and then was up bright and early to, you know, fly to a different country or speak to the American people or give a press conference, a real press conference, by the way, where he was actually speaking to the media. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the difference there. Joe Biden was actually up at 9 a.m. to take care of issues that are affecting Americans. And that's how we know that he cares. Thank you, Jen Psaki. Uh, by the way, going back to SVB's bad investments and donations from the New York Post, SVB donated $73 million to Black Lives Matter movement and social justice causes. And now Joe Biden's going to bail them out. Uh, by the way, Biden did say that the banking system is safe. Uh, but Moody's cuts their outlook on the U.S. banking system to negative, citing rapidly deteriorating operating environment. Now, Moody's is part of the big three rating services, and they said on Monday it was making this move in light of key bank failures that prompted regulators to step in Sunday with a dramatic rescue plan for depositors and other institutions impacted by this crisis. So uh, there you guys go. More lies from Joe Biden, but one of the people one of the governments that is benefiting from Joe Biden's horrific leadership and crashing our entire economy is Russia, actually. From Yahoo Finance, Russia is so cut off from the international financial system that the Kremlin thinks Western sanctions have ensured the country against the banking crisis. So congratulations and great job to Joe Biden in protecting Russia against our economic collapse. The Kremlin said Russia will not be impacted by the U.S. bank crisis. Kremlin spokesperson said Russia is insured against the fallout from Silicon Valley's bank collapse. Sanctions over the Ukraine war have cut Russia off from the international financial system. So truly incredible. Oh, and on top of that, uh, by the way, just a couple days after the SVB bank collapse, Biden proposed a $6.8 trillion budget for 2024. $6.8 trillion. How many trillions in debt are we already? I think it's over $30 trillion at this point. He just proposed another $6.8 trillion budget for 2024, which would add a $1.8 trillion deficit for next year. Truly incredible. And since we're on the topic of how badly the government handles our taxpayer dollars, uh, San Francisco is going to be really heavily and seriously considering a $5 million per person reparations plan. And I was reading into this article because I was like, how are they going to determine who is eligible for reparations? Are there any slaves in the modern day? No, there's not. So how are they going to deem that? And this article says that um, they're going to be paying the $5 million per person payment to, I believe, people who were direct descendants of slaves or were living in San Francisco, okay, they were living in San Francisco during a certain time period, or descended from someone incarcerated for the police war on drugs. Critics say the payout makes no sense in a state and city that never enslaved black people. Generally, generally reparations opponents say taxpayers who were never slave owners should not have to pay money to people who were not enslaved, which, yeah, Pretty, pretty solid point there. Uh, by the way, there's an estimated 50,000 black people living in San Francisco. So 50,000 black people times 5 million. How, how many billions or trillions of dollars is that going to be? And where are we going to be getting that from? Because by the way, San Francisco's budget isn't looking too great right now, by the way. All right, y'all, let me go ahead. And I want to give you guys just a quick update on 
what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, because I do think it's important for, to keep our eyes on this, and we'll wrap the show. Um, this is the latest development from, well, this is, I picked this one from CNN, but this was uh, major news today. A U.S. drone was downed by a Russian jet, and CNN wrote the headline, Drone Video Highlights the Risk of a Direct U.S.-Russia Confrontation. And by the way, the drone that was downed was a, let me see if they have the type that it was in here, because I cannot remember the name off of the top of my head. Yeah, of course they don't, because it's CNN. Okay, there we go. It's a U.S. Reaper drone. So this U.S. Reaper drone is downed by Russia because it was flying over the Black Sea, where Russia and Ukraine are currently having a war. First off, this drone was $28 million. They go, they, they, they cost the U.S. taxpayer $28 to $30 million per drone. That was just down by the Russians. And also, too, a lot of uh, U.S. officials, you know, are saying that this is escalating tensions, that Russia has no right to, to shoot down U.S. property, that this is a hostile thing for them to do. Didn't we shoot down the Chinese spy balloon that was flying over our country? Oh, wait, no, we didn't. We waited for it to go across our entire country to finish its spy mission, and, and Joe Biden shot it down. Sorry, I am choking on my own shock here. Let's not forget, too, that the Nord Stream pipeline was blown up. Um, another thing that caused rising and escalating tensions between Russia and Ukraine and basically the rest of the world. Keep in mind, too, that the initial reason why Russia was even encroaching on Ukraine was because of NATO, which is involved with the United States, Russia not happy that the U.S. is encroaching on its borders, Russia not happy that there were U.S.-funded biolabs on its borders in Ukraine, and then the Nord Stream pipeline got magically blown up. It just magically exploded. Nobody knows who. Oh, oh, the United States came out and said that um, it might be a pro-Ukrainian group that sabotaged the pipelines. We don't know. Now, I actually did a show previously on who could have potentially blown up these pipelines and all fingers pointed to the United States of America or I believe it was potentially Poland at that point but all fingers pointed to the U.S. because as I reported previously the United States would benefit the most from destroying Russia's pipeline to Europe. Russell Brand explains perfectly how and an update on the blown up Nord Stream pipeline, by the way. Listen to this clip. The Nord Stream pipeline, which, you know, was blown up mysteriously. Guess what's happened? Since it's been blown up, the US has done a load of gas deals with European nations. Wow, what an extraordinary coincidence. The US is set to double its gas exports to the UK under plans to clamp down on rising living costs by weaning Britain off Russian energy. That was always the intention, to just take over gas exports from Russia. Why take my word for it? You simply want to change the structure of energy dependence. You want to change that structure by blowing it up. For years, we've tried to get the Europeans to be interested in different pipeline routes. It's time to do that. You want to depend more on the North American energy platform, have pipelines that don't go through Ukraine and Russia. But there is a pipeline going through Ukraine and Russia. Not anymore, there isn't. If Russia invades, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. How will you do that? I promise you we'll be able to do it. So, nothing to worry about here then. Okay, so there you guys go. There's Joe Biden admitting to the crime. There's the uh, potential, you know, maybe maybe just a potential uh, 
admittance, understanding of what happened to the Nord Stream pipeline, potential coincidence of, you know, who is benefiting from the explosion of the Nord Stream pipeline. Hmm. Interesting. And again, too, I do want us to keep our eyes on Russia and Ukraine because it is important to see what's going on internationally. Because keep in mind, all of the politicians that are calling for war between Russia and Ukraine and calling for American soldiers to go to Ukraine, do you think that it's going to be their brothers, sisters, sons going to go fight Ukraine? And yes, I, uh, I'm talking about both genders here because we have talked about an uh, all-inclusive drac here. Do you think it's going to be Joe Biden and Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell's sons and daughters going to fight in Ukraine? No, it's going to be you. It's going to be you going and sacrificing your life for the military industrial complex so that the U.S. government and um, these weapon manufacturers can make more money off of your blood. That's why we continue to fund this proxy war. That's why it's still going on. And that's why we should all be very aware of what is happening. We have incompetent leadership. We have an entire country that is more obsessed with being gay than our own national security and constitutional rights. And it's a problem. It's a big problem. So remember to stand up, push back, and speak out against this nonsense. And please remember that all of you here listening are the very few people who have common sense left in society. So please go and spread that. Please go and show other people that it's okay to think differently and that it's okay to have a quote-unquote controversial opinion that not everybody thinks the way that these people do, that not everybody supports Ukraine, that not everybody believes that men are women, that not everybody thinks that transgender women should be in women's spaces. Push back against this insanity and this nonsense. We cannot take the United States of America back if we don't all work together. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. Please remember that you can find this show on Apple Podcasts. And if you do like it, please go leave me a five-star review. It is my dream to have 1,000 reviews on Apple Podcasts because it will make me feel like I have a legitimate podcast. I don't know. A thousand's a great number. We got a thousand live viewers right now. That's some of our biggest numbers. And I am so appreciative to each and every single one of you. So if you do like the show, Give it a thumbs up. Give it a subscription down below. Click the button. Go watch my latest YouTube video. I promise you, you guys are going to love it. Go leave a five-star review or, um, you know, just, just be here the next time I live stream and, and come hang out with me and let's talk politics. So thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez. By the way, on top of reporting on the ground, editing my own footage, making my own graphics, and uh, being on multiple show hits, I also... Do my own article writing. You can go find my articles on my website, savsaysofficial.com or on the Post Millennial. So go check that out. And um, that's all I've got for you guys tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode and I will see you guys next time.